Welcome to the non-standard 14er podcast, the podcast that brings you everything the root description leaves out. I'm Short Rope Stifler, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jacer Jack. And today's guest, my wife, Tay Jack. Hello. In this episode of the non-standard 14er podcast, we're talking about a 14er in the San Juan Mountain region. It's the highest peak in Uray County, Colorado, and it plasters the front of Jerry Roach's third edition of the Colorado 14ers. It's well known for its rugged vertical relief rising above Ridgeway, Colorado, on the way to Telluride. It has an almost whimsical name. This episode will be all about our experience climbing Mount Sneffels. What's nice about this podcast is I climbed the standard route, which is up the south slopes, and Jacer and Tajak climbed another route, the southwest ridge, and came down the standard south slopes. The standard route is a six miles round trip, approachable from the Ure area of Colorado from Yankee Boy Basin. And it depends where you start, because that road up Yankee Boy Basin, you can almost get up to 12,000. Yeah, pretty high. If you got a rugged four-wheel drive vehicle and want to, or a stock vehicle you're willing to beat the crap out of, you can get all the way up to well above 12, I feel like. One of the nice things about getting up that far is the bathroom for all you ladies out there. They have a bathroom where you can park and use the facilities before you start hiking up. And since you're already above tree line pretty much at that point, you're close to it. But you started below there when you did it? Mm-hmm. Could you try to do the 3,000-foot rule? Yeah, the bathroom is still about eight miles. So we're talking about above the bathroom. Oh, really? Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Yes, if you look at uh, 14ers.com, you take your Ray 550, and you go on that county road, and it's a good almost seven miles up to that bathroom that you're describing. kind of has a uh, nasty road toward Imogene Pass, and then the, the road goes under that sea rock hanging over the road there. Oh, yeah. That was cool. We're stopping for a picture for sure. Pretty iconic Colorado picture. Yeah. Pretty narrow S- there. Something <laughs> worth talking about, too, that we were discussing before we came on air here is um, since you were up there last, we were up there only a few months ago. Um, there's one really bad washout spot on the on the road, just maybe half mile before the bathroom, above that overhanging rock. You can get all the way up to that point in a stock. I would venture to say almost two wheel drive vehicle, but then there's that feature that in the in that uh, stock Tacoma, we scraped pretty hard. Yeah, I- we needed to have somebody get out and spot so. It pushed a stock vehicle pretty hard, but then we were able to get that next half mile up to the bathroom, no problem. But there's one feature that's pretty washed out. So a lot of people were parking there, stock forerunners, Jeeps, just not worth the body damage, and it adds another mile total. So I'm looking here at the elevation gain. It's, so it's 2,900 feet right from the rest, restroom parking area. Okay. So the purists will sometimes park below there so they gain the extra 100 feet so they get a 3,000-foot rule, which is kind of the accepted 14-er summit foot rule is that you have to gain at least 3,000 feet. Otherwise, you can't really call it a a true 14-er summit. Which also kind of begs the question, do you, like, what what do you classify as a 14-er summit? Is it a summit if you do it from the trailhead? Is it a summit, you know, because I think one thing that's really cool about Snaffles is that you can park anywhere along that road pretty much, but um, for somebody that's getting their first taste of Class 3, it's a lot of bang for your buck in terms of uh, technicality, introduction to class three, views, by far I think one of the prettiest 14ers I've done to date. Um, and, you know, you can, it's not a long approach at all. Your approach is in your vehicle, which is kind of cool. 
which I always say would be a great one to finish on. Mm-hmm. I was telling our buddy Rich to save Sneffels for a finisher because you could bring your family. If your family wasn't in shape, they could get all the way up to above 12,000 feet in a four-wheel vehicle. They could hike the you know class one easy hike approach in and watch you. Maybe if they wanted to do the scramble up the gully or the class three move at the very top, they could come hang out near the Uray area, see you come down, see you finish, and hang out in your Uray, go to the hot springs, go to a brewery. It'd be a great one to finish on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Did you guys camp when you... There's great camping there right off the road. Once you just get out of your Ray, did you see those, there's some camp spots that mm-hmm. were, and they're like always filled up on popular weekends. But I think there's great dispersed, probably throw your $10 in the envelope, snag a campsite mm-hmm. right off the road there. Yeah, there was just not that much. And since it's such a far away 14er, it's worth noting that you may need to go... If you can camp somewhere in Uray or grab a spot at the Hot Springs, which isn't terribly scenic, but you know it's a, it's a spot to park your car and sleep. We made the drive all the way from Telluride because we had a really clear weather window. Monsoon season was kind of over, and uh, we we made the drive and got kind of a late start. I mean, we were the sun was up when we started, but it's a super short fourteener. So if you have to do it as a day trip from Ridgeway, even Telluride, it's still very doable. And so how did you do it? You went from Telluride, went up through Yankee Boy, but didn't do the standard route. Yeah, so there's two sort of what Jerry Roach calls classic routes on this mountain. One is the the standard south slopes and then the southwest ridge, which is what we did. Um, and I was actually, there were two people in our party who it was their first class three. Um, and it was really cool because it's it's relatively short, not super exposed until you get to the top, but just really amazing scenery and kind of meandering through these really dramatic gendarmes just shooting up from the ridge and so what you do is you walk into the basin and then it forks kind of right where to the right you would go up to the southwest ridge to the left you you traverse over toward a saddle zigzag up the saddle and that's where you can drop down into blue lakes or if you're taking the blue lakes approach you come up to that saddle and intersect there um, we, we met a guy at the top who was from Texas, and it was his first 14er. He had come all the way up from Blue Lakes, and he's like, holy shit, man, I've spent my whole career as a, as a line man working power lines, and I don't think I've ever been that freaked out up from heights. <laughs> so it's a little dramatic toward the top, but all that to be said. So then you... So you can gain the same ridge there from the standard correct. Yankee Boy approach or the Blue Lakes approach. Yep, you, you meet up on that ridge, and then you kind of take a looker's right, um, and then pick your way through kind of a little bit of a scree field, and then you enter into like a little almost amphitheater where there's it's it's a gully with really dramatic sort of rock walls on either side, um, and it's a, you know it's careful route finding if you if you're not careful you can get into very easily some class four stuff I think Roach points out a couple there's some five six variations on it too so you got to kind of work to keep it class three and then. Uh, what, I mean, I don't know. What did you think? This was your first class three. How did you feel about it? It was my first class three, and I absolutely loved it. I felt like a lot of the other 14ers were, you know, it's just a hike, and it's beautiful. And But the class three really makes you think. It makes you, you know, where do I put my hands? And it was I, – I loved it. I thought it was so pretty, and it went like that. It went so fast yeah. because you were focused on climbing, and it wasn't anything – too difficult. I'd say there's one spot in that route that was a little difficult because it was kind of up a big boulder, but 
It was a great, great route. Yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. So once you get above the kissing camels, they call it, it's two rocks that have kind of fallen against each other to look like two camels kissing, hence the name. And you kind of round the corner and crest on the ridge, and then you can either kind of stick to the right on the south side of the face and go up this beautiful sort of granite conglomerate, very solid rock, or you can stick to the ridge and there's a bit of a kind of pseudo knife edge effect where it's not sheer, but it's 2,000 feet down either side. You can actually get some pretty dramatic exposure going up that. And we, we took that for a little bit and it was we got some pretty serious gusts of wind, so we didn't take ridge proper all the way up. We kind of were maybe like one body length on the south side to kind of mitigate that wind risk, but uh, it was a hoot. I think we were all grins and I think part of what's cool about this one too is that you can have the reassurance of I'm going down the standard route. So three quarters of the way up, a couple people in our party were a little bit like, oh, I feel kind of uneasy about this. And you just keep reminding them that it's only easier from here because you're going to go down the standard route. You're, you're going to make it harder if you turn around. So there is that option on this, which makes it a great variation for someone doing class three for the first time, I think. Because um, from the same trailhead, you can go up class three ridge and then drop down the class two minus the notch move probably yeah. on the standard yep you do a big lollipop shape essentially it's similar to tories that's what the first class three i did was the, the kelso ridge on tories mm-hmm. the same trailhead from Gray's and tories standard off i-70 there but you turn and go right and fall up the knife edge ridge up to tories and then you just drop down the standard class two easy hike yeah. kind of nice saves the knees a little bit so yeah. you went up the southwest ridge summited and then came down the standard south slopes, right? Mm-hmm. And the crux of that route is what they call the notch move. It's almost at the on very top of the route. So if you're going up that route, you almost get up to, what, about 100 feet below the summit, where you have to exit the gully and cross what they call the notch move. What did you think of the notch move as your first Class 3, Taylor? Coming down the notch move was odd, because the notch move is essentially two big rocks that create a V or a notch and you have to go through that V and it's probably it's a big drop down then to that next level it's not like you can sit on the edge of it and touch your foot down on the on the floor it's you've kind of got to make a a move there where you're either coming down with your front going down the notch or have someone beneath you. That's what we did where I, I was the tallest one in our group by far. So I helped. I turned and down. faced the rock and I turned and faced the rock, climbed down and then kind of assisted people down. Like they, they kind of have to lean into me cause it's a big move for somebody with short legs. And we saw somebody with their dog on that, which very athletic dog. They seemed to think the dog was doing fine, but it, you could tell it absolutely panicked this dog. And so beside the fact that it's a ton of loose rock and the dog was kicking rocks all over everybody, like probably not a great one to, to bring a dog on purely from the fact that their depth perception is different than humans. And it's, I don't know, just watching that dog go through the V-notch move, it's hard enough for humans. It's kind of a funky off-camber. It makes you lean a weird way. Mm-hmm. And if you fall, you're you're not going more than ten feet. You may tumble, and and I guess when you did it, there was a big snow field. There was a lot of snow on the dry. south slopes, so, so I figured if you fell there, you could slide down the south slopes on that on the on the snow field pretty easily. So this is actually the origin of my name, Short Rope, because this is the first time I broke out 
the short rope on a 14er, I was climbing by myself up the standard route, up the south slopes, and I got to the V-notch move, and there was a couple from Pittsburgh, probably in their 40s, married couple, popped their head on the other side of the V-notch, and the woman was, she was going over first, short rope, the husband, and so I um, switched off with her, tied a bowline knot around my waist, and then he short roped across to me, and then I said, well, you might as well just stand there and short rope me, I short rope back from where they were toward the summit and then threw the rope back over to them. So it was uh, by myself. I was at that little exposure. I thought it would be safe. I had the short rope with me. So, And that was just because of the snow field. The risk there, if you fell, you'd have to self-arrest or you were going a yeah, thousand feet. Yeah, and I was by myself. So I figured if I, if I had the opportunity with two other people with me. Did the snow in the gully, was that useful for you? Did you, did you enjoy that? Was it... I did in late July one a couple years ago, and it was too hard. I didn't didn't take crampons, and actually the people I, we were hiking with a lot of people turned back. So the approach up Sneffels is pretty easy. It's class one, and then you get to like twelve thousand six hundred. You turn right and go up like a pretty steep scramble, but it's kind of loose, kind of pebbly scree, which is probably the worst thousand feet of the route. And then you get to this the the lavender call, which they call that saddle right there, about thirteen five. And then so you're at that that saddle, you turn left and go up that south-facing slope. And so you can't really see the route at all from Ridgeway. The, the iconic shot you're seeing from Ridgeway is the north side. But that snowfield had a lot of snow late in late July, and the snow was really packed hard, and no one had crampons or ice axes. So a lot of the people that were expecting a Class 2 hike turned around that part. Hmm. I made my the class kind of uh, the climb a lot harder because I kind of scrambled around the rock next to the snow which made a lot more class three moves than it needs to be if there's no snow or snow's easily um, easy, easier to climb in a, in a different year. Sure. I think that uh, that south face, that pebbly stuff you're talking about, is it's so loose that most of the scree has been pushed off that slope, but it's just this loose pebbly dirt, and it's a fantastic place to like scree surf. If that's if you got a good pair of boots and some poles and know how to do that, you can actually get a nice jog going down that and descend pretty quickly and it's one of the few places that it's actually safe and fun with the exception of maybe Bross, which we we're not supposed to mention but i think that's probably the best scree surfing i've done to date and so the notch move wasn't that bad 14ers.com recommends that some of the notch move got harder in 2016 because a couple of the rocks on the base of the v-notch were removed so actually before a couple of years ago when i did it was actually less that drop that you were talking about was yeah. e- was easier might have been able to do it with with those rocks were still there, but now it's a lot harder move. Still not a good one. I, I would drag a dog across the notch. I don't. I don't know. No, it. I mean, these people had I, a harness on their dog and they were picking them up like a suitcase. If I walked up to the notch, the notch that I was supposed to climb up to is at the top of my head, and I'm about five six. So you really have to know what you're doing to get up and through it and so coming down it you do have to if you don't have someone there guiding you through that notch you do have to kind of jump down and just be careful because what you're jumping down on is that really steep gully and so it, it is off camber so you just have to be careful that when you jump down you're have good footing and it was it was a bit weird a couple of years ago back 14ers.com used to do the 14er dance off you mm-hmm. followed some of these mm-hmm. and so I hiked up a black Sports jacket, a black hat, black glasses, and danced a song, um, Shake Your Tail Feather, from the uh, Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers song, yeah. So did you, you, did you win anything? I did not win anything, no. 
Damn. Was it worth the effort? It was worth the effort, yeah. <laughs> it's fun to watch on YouTube once in a while. I go back, relive that experience. Did you hike down in the suit? I did not. I just stuffed okay. it in my backpack. Okay. <laughs> but I had a bunch of like Boy Scouts were up there at the same time. And another uh, uh, girl that was hiking kind of near me videotaped for me since I was alone. <laughs> but these Boy Scouts, they came up that blue lakeside. Mm-hmm. And then instead of tracing down the class one route back kind of back dropping down some elevation to get back to where the standard route comes up and goes up that steep gully they tried to side cross with no trail from like the Ooh. where that south Earth ridge starts to, and then try to like b- bypass some of the drop wow and so they were just raining rocks that's so dangerous very dangerous much easier you know you maybe lose two or three hundred feet but you're on a class one trail you should just follow the trail, lost some extra, maybe a half yard, a half mile, and some elevation gain, but they definitely regretted going off trail. Yeah, no kidding. Do you know why they call it Sniffles? I don't know. Could, that's one of the Sniffles. So there's a couple, if you dig some old Colorado uh, textbooks up from this 1970, I'm looking at, um, looking at 14,000 feet of history of naming and early ascents of the high country Colorado peaks. Author is Orms from 1970. There are three conflicting accounts of the origin of the name Mount Sneffels. Some just claim it's from close to the Nordic word snowfield, which is Snifel. So it's just pretty easy to say Sneffels. Sneffels. Snifel. <laughs> Sounds like Snowfield. Sneffel. <laughs> Should have to say it really fast. Mount Sneffel. <laughs> Got a short rope so you don't fall down the Sneffel. <laughs> <laughs> Go tell all your friends that was what she climbed. That's not how. A second account says that uh, that miners called it Mount Sniffles for the colds they acquired in the mining areas <laughs> near the area. Hey. And that was from a climbing guide to Colorado's 14ers, uh, published in 1970. Most popular version says it's a relic of Jules Verne's uh, 1864 novel, Journey to the Center of the Earth. So the characters in that novel traveled through a mountain in, um, I think it's Iceland. That was called something like Snifle something something, and so they they think it's a. Most accounts say it's a it's a reference to Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth. Interesting. Huh. So it was named then after that book was written. There wasn't it something before it was Sniffles. Yeah, they called it Mount Blaine. I think if you go back to the original history, because there's there's another route up Sniffles and there's the Blaine Basin approach. Which kind of comes up? I think you get there from the same spot where you get to the Blue Lakes approach from that road to Telluride near Ridgeway. Mm-hmm. You go up the other other valley, uh, Blaine Basin, I think it's called, and that kicks you out at the same saddle at thirteen six that the mm-hmm. Lavender Call they call it up the standard route. Okay, interesting, huh? So there are ways to make it more difficult for yourself. Well, the, so the Blue Lakes it. approach, which it's on my bucket list. Uh, Great camping, I would assume, because you camp down by the awesome Blue Lakes. But it starts at least 2,000 feet below the standard route starts from Yankee Boy. Hmm. So you're adding a bunch more mileage and 2,000 feet of elevation gain. So you're really earning it. Substantial. Yeah, that guy that met us at the top, granted he was moving slow, but he had had a like, major alpine start, like 2.30 in the morning from the Blue Lakes to meet us at the summit. When we summited, we started from the Yankee Boy trailhead at the bathroom at like 7.00. So, I could see that. That's the thing about Sneffels, though. It's so much bang for your buck in terms of effort from from the Yankee Boy Basin, you know. And you can you can make it an honest fourteen or three thousand feet, but it's quick, 
and it's so beautiful that it goes by so fast. But it's cool that there's other options up other aspects too that can make it a little bit more difficult. There's a little bit, a little bit of everything for everyone. Right, because it's everyone. class two. Some scram- annoying scrambling on that dirt up that gully. But really, the only class three move is that notch move. Mm-hmm. You can keep it pretty much below class three besides that notch move. So if you really wanted someone to, you had someone who didn't care about the three thousand foot rule and wanted to really earn one, and it was a really pretty one down in a beautiful part of the state, doing snuffles would be a good one to do it. How many times did we say coming down that south slope that we're so glad we went up the ridge? Because the rock is solid, it's sheltered, it's nobody. It was totally empty on a busy Saturday. And the summit was crowded and the standard route coming down was crowded. But people were kicking rocks on each other and it just just was kind of a death grind up this scree slope. Yeah, I did not enjoy coming down snuffles i i didn't think it was that easy of scree surfing because there was enough big big rocks that for me taking a step and then you hit one of the big rocks i don't know it was just it was a grueling thousand feet or whatever it was to come down that and coming up would have even suck because it's like it's like a treadmill kind of like you like that's below the sand that's dune. below the notch and below the, the yeah below the notch yeah it's golly it's that from 13 six to like 12 six or so that thousand feet yeah, you, just, that's probably the worst part of the route yeah, you like take a step and you go up a foot, but really you're gaining eight inches because you sink down a few inches. Like it's like right. It's yeah, coming down it, it wasn't so bad because you took a step and you slid a little bit. But coming up it, I'm sure you you know, put a lot of effort into we, every step because you slid down. I've heard this recommended, and then I witnessed some people doing this. People bring micro spikes for that section, huh. for descending that section, just for for comfort reasons. It's not really a safety thing, but just to kind of. Get some extra get, traction. Get the extra traction. You know, kind of... There was not a piece of snow on that entire mountain when we were there, but we did see people micro-spiking that section. Which I think I think I would do if I had the option, knowing what I know yeah. about it, because it, uh, was, it was tricky for me. I slip-slide around on that stuff. I wonder if those ultra-marathoners could run up Blue Lake's approach, up to that saddle, up the southwest ridge, down the south slopes... And then down, back down through Blaine Basin. Should put you right back at the same trail. Killer loop. Someone out there does it. Let us know. If I had to climb Snuffles ten times again, I'd do it ten times up the Southwest Ridge. Absolutely. Up and down? No. I'd do it down. I'd do it down. It would be comparable to coming down Maroon, where there's some. You're you're not horribly exposed the whole time, but there's kind of some haggard, loose stuff that you're. You climbed Lindsay this summer as well. Mm-hmm. How did you, the the route, the class three moves up the up the gully there in Lindsay compared to Snaffle's Southwest Ridge? I thought even the class two gully, which we we had some class three variations on that when we kind of went up that that wall. Um, I thought the Lindsay was objectively more dangerous because of the the rockfall hazard. Snaffle's you're on a ridge the whole time and it's loose, but there's you're not. I mean. It's loose and haggard, but there's really not much rockfall danger because you're kind of in this little protected. I can't really describe it. It's like these stegosaurus spines that you that walk go between. up this ridge that are kind of staggered, and you kind of weave your way through them. And there's really you're out of the wind, you're out of rockfall hazard. It's loose and it's chunky, but um, I would say technically the climbing was a little harder than Lindsay on Sneffels Southwest Ridge. However. Lindsay might have been a little bit more dangerous. One, because we did it in super thick fog, couldn't see shit. Lindsay, but also, yeah. um, man, and there were a lot of idiots on that. A lot of people that 
maybe didn't know quite what they were doing, kicking rocks all over, kind of careless. So from an objective standpoint, I thought Lindsay was more dangerous, but the climbing on Snuffles was a little more technical on that southwest ridge. How would you compare Lindsay to the standard route on Snuffles? Snuffles is like three three sections. Class one, easy approach. A thousand feet of kind of sucky, loose. I kind of like bear crawl up that stuff. I like to just bear crawl like a sprint for like 10, 10 20 yards and then just sit and suck wind and enjoy the views and then just do it again <laughs> all over again. Good place again. to do it. Well, I think Lindsay was harder. Uh, but then it's hard to compare conditions when you're in fog and rain versus nice July when I did snuffles. What are your thoughts on skiing that snowfield that was below that V-notch? It kind of freaked you out. I've heard of people doing that. I think, I think it's think more it's narrow than you think. Really? I think it is. I mean, it's not very much. It's probably only 400 feet, probably. 300, 400 feet of... Vertically? Vertical. Because the, the saddle there is 13.6 or so, 13-something. And then you still have the V-notch move. is still probably 100 feet of gain to get to the summit. That's kind of a classic ski line, one, one that I've not done, but it's kind of on my bucket list would be that cooler down the standard route on on snuffles then you can arc some big turns on the on that lower one too where the scree field is yeah or you could drop down the north side and ski right into ralph lauren's backyard <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> three thousand feet straight to his straight to his pasture. patio yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a that's a fun thing on the north side of snuffles so as you're driving up from Montrose and into Ridgeway, uh, you're basically looking at Snuffles, and then at the base of Snuffles is Ralph Lauren's property there. It's got a ton of acreage right there. You'll see it. You'll see this massive wood fence and Snuffles in the background, and it's the iconic picture on a lot of the 14er books. Yeah, it's classic Colorado. If you want to climb a picturesque mountain that that is that is colorado if you're ready to kind of venture out of class two terrain and want a ton of bang for your buck snuffles is is your mountain it's definitely on my short list top three favorites so far probably i would agree from every aspect right from how fun the climbing was really unique so the rock wasn't the same all the way we had that really loose stuff and then beautiful kind of conglomerate granite at the top that was very solid almost like a climbing pinnacle Really steep, but very safe. So the climbing was fun. The views were spectacular. Um, I mean, just every... I love the approach. I think even the drive up was awesome. Beers in Uray after are always great. That's why I always stop. Every time I'm in that area, I stop at uh, Uray Brewing. It's a great three-story brewery right there in the three-walled canyon town of Uray. You can sit there and watch down over the, over the crowd. Have some good beers, and I normally hit the Uray Hot Springs which I recommend over the Orvis Hot Springs. <laughs> which we'll talk about in a future episode. <laughs> uh, we're the only ones with swimsuits. <laughs> so what famous John Wayne movie was filmed, some of it in Uray, in Uray County, in the Uray County Courthouse? Ooh. 1968. In Ridgeway, there's a cafe Is named it True Grit? True Grit, yeah, True Grit, John Wayne filmed some memorable scenes there in Ridgeway and the interior of the Uray County Courthouse were filmed uh, hmm. in that movie. Great movie. I learned some interesting things about the schools down in that area. So Ridgeway is a ranching town. Uray is a mining town. Ranchers need their kids on the ranch to run the, the farm, so they don't really invest in their schools historically. So Ridgeway's 
school district for years and years, you know, a century ago were underfunded because they the kids didn't were supposed to raise, you know, grow up raised on a farm, work on the farm, and then take over the farm. Sure. Miners realized how shitty of a life mining was and said, I don't want my kid in the mines when they grow up. Interesting. And so their response was to better better fund their schools. So your right school district tends, they say, historically was better funded than the ranching district right next to it. Huh. At least that's what some local does that same local teachers told me once. Does the same hold true today? Where the schools in your area are a little better? I don't know. If that history is yeah. withstood. There's such a small district. Like if you look at the census data of your ray, how many people do you think actually live in your ray? Year round? Yeah. Is that a 250? I think it's a little less than 1,000. I was going to say 600. If you look at like the census data from like the last 200 years, it's like been 1,000 people since like 1,800. <laughs> Population's probably even gone down now that all the yeah yeah. So the peak was like two thousand, I think, on, and now it's like at one thousand. So in the heyday of mining, probably and prospecting, it's like Silverton. Wasn't Silverton like the most happening city in Colorado at one point? Now it's small little kind of pass through town for mountain activities. Yeah, because of mining. Kind of crazy. And you can get to Silverton easily from your way from Red Mountain Pass. What's the mountain pass up Yankee Boy? Imogene. Yeah, where does Imogene go? Telluride. Into Telluride, So I have heard, I have not driven this because I have a truck with a not-so-great turning radius, Um, but a lot of people do go from Telluride and go up Imogene Pass, which I guess is not a very advanced road. Don't hold me liable. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's narrow, and it's got a really sheer drop, so it has killed people in the past, but the, the, the driving itself is not too technical. You get into Yankee Boy Basin, and then you can find your way over to Black Bear Pass, which is a one-way, and descend back into Telluride. So that's a very iconic off-road loop. Um, the problem is Black Bear Pass is so narrow that even you have to make a two-point or three-point turn around those switchbacks in a Jeep um, with the sheer cliff. So yeah. the F-150 is not making it happen on that. Um, yeah. But I think it'd be fun. I would love to do that at some point. But that's kind of the iconic Telluride off-roading loop and they have all those pictures that I survived Black Bear Pass and all that. So. <laughs> a couple of things I learned doing that route. The one was the Boy Scouts shouldn't get off route and they really got off route and started hailing down rocks because they tried to switch, avoid going back down the standard route from Blue Lakes. I also learned that you should really always carry an ice axe well late in the summer. Um, a lot of people turned around right at that snow field because they didn't have an ice axe and I think people don't understand who don't climb a lot of 14ers how important it is to cross pack snow with an ice axe in case you do fall and start sliding yeah you need to self-arrest i think that's a misconception too because these these people think that crampons and ice axes are tools for the winter because of what they see on the movies and things like that but really quite the opposite is true it's it's a spring and summer tool as much as anything because the snow gets so bulletproof that you need the crampons to penetrate the snow and the ice axe to it's an essential. It's a tool up there, and you need it to climb, but also self-arrest. And yeah, it's anytime up until probably July. I bring mine with me. What's the nickname of your ray? My ray. <laughs> your ray, my ray. My ray or the highway? <laughs> <laughs> it builds itself as what? <laughs> Clearly, Jason Jack does not know. <laughs> That's my guess. My Ray of the Highway. 
The Switzerland of America, you never heard people call it the I Switzerland have heard that. of America? Because okay. it's like in that narrow valley. They're enclosed by like three steep mountains on all three sides. Nah, dude. Vale's, vale is the Switzerland of America. What? Did you just, did you just nah dude me? <laughs> nah, dude. Hell. Nah, dude. This might kick off our, our recurring segment called the Nah Dude. Nah, dude, nah, dude, nah, dude. What you say, I can't outdo it. You said it was tough. I say nothing to it. What you did was cool, but what I did was cool. Why would you say Vail is the Switzerland of America? Yeah, why would you not do him? I told I like Ure better, but isn't yeah. that what they modeled Vail after was like Switzerland? Oh, Austria, yeah, some of like the, the buildings. The yeah, okay. That's what I've heard. But I guess from a, <laughs> from a scenery standpoint, Ure makes way more sense. What's the best place to eat after a 14er there? Besides the brewery. Brewery had decent food, but better beer. I say grab a pint or two at the Ure Brewing, and then I really like the Colorado Boy in uh, Ridgeway, or that of that taco place. Gnarly Tacos. Yeah. That was good. They've got a lot of really unique... We had one that had, like, fried chicken in it or something. Oh, I and, love that. You know, that, honestly, though, you'd kind of have to get, like, a major taco platter or two after a 14. All right. You're craving, like, carbs and burgers. and. But but nonetheless, the flavors are great, and it's, like, 10 bucks for a few tacos. It's yeah, good. I got the ahi, ahi tuna and the sloppy joe tuna, uh, the sloppy joe. Sloppy tuna? Sloppy tuna? <laughs> ah, the old sloppy tuna. That's what they call me in high school. <laughs> sloppy tuna. Wow. There's a really good pizza place in Ridgeway. That's the Colorado boy. Is that the Colorado yeah, boy? Yeah, brewery. Man, that place is super oven. good. Yeah, that's what I would crave after a 14er there, because I love pizza after 14ers. A must. I'll tell you what you don't like after 14 years. Sloppy tuna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sloppy tuna is in the naked hot springs and the nervous hot springs. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Otherwise, you'll see a lot of sloppy tunas. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, wow. Good stuff. <laughs> okay. Where would you rank Snaffles on purely just joy factor? Like, blank is my favorite 14er. Here's my list. Ooh. Where does Snaffles fall on the list? It's hard because, like, Pyramid Capital were, like, really well-earned, and I was terrified of them. I was never really terrified of Sneffels, but it was an awesome hike, beautiful hike. Had some Class 3 moves that you felt like you earned. Had a brewery, had hot springs to come back really easily, too. Uh, definitely top uh, seven. Wow, that's a really specific <laughs> yeah, I don't know, the Creston Needle, Creston Peak, Pyramid, Chicago Basin... All great hikes. Snuffles, uh, easier one. So you didn't feel like you earned it as much, but awesome hike. Do you agree with the sentiment that, and this isn't a Jace or Jack original, I've heard a lot of people say this, that it's the most bang for your buck 14er? I'd say bang for your buck. I mean, it's farther away from Denver, so you can't day trip it. But it's, it's you're making a weekend out of it, or a four-day weekend. You know, go down, camp somewhere, or get hotel, bed and breakfast, enjoy your Ridgeway, or Telluride, or your Ray, or Silverton. Um, hit a hot spring, hit a brewery. Definitely don't do a, you know, a, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Sloppy slam, slam into a car and then drive away. Uh, hit and run. Hit and run. Don't hit and run, Snuffles. It's one that you should be enjoyed. Yeah. When you slam into a car and then drive away. <laughs> Speaking of cars, 
looping back to <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. rough transition <laughs> to cars, but I feel like it's important on this one because you know the sea with the rock overhang and the really narrow road that you have to drive to get up to Snuffles and into Yankee Boy Basin. Don't drive off the road. Don't <laughs> yeah, put that on your to not to list. But who has the right of way when it's a super narrow road like that? Well, that's the an interesting discussion. Uphill I've heard two schools of thought. Or the downhill it's traffic. It's the same with hiking? Mm, I've heard two schools of thought. So, I, so, well, I think I've researched it pretty extensively, and I think I will admit that I'm wrong. I don't think I've been doing it right my whole life. I think uphill has right of way because you have to continue keeping your momentum up. I think it's same as mountain biking and hiking. Downhill has to yield. However, I have heard the school of thought that downhill... Um, because you have gravity going with you, and if it's steep and you're still going, you got to let that guy keep going, and it's easier to back up if you're coming uphill. So if you're coming uphill and, and you see somebody coming down, it's yeah. easier to back up and it get out sense. of the way. So I've heard that school of thought too. I think ultimately what it comes down to is whoever's got a spot to pull off, pull off, and don't be a dick. But I think general rule of thumb actually after looking into it is is that uphill has right away to keep your momentum. Someone coming uphill has right away. Correct. Okay. Because huh. I think that's important for this road, because it is a sketchy, narrow road. Even though it's an easier road, It's there are spots where you have to make room for somebody else. Yeah, and just, just don't haul ass on it. There's people on ATVs that are doing yeah. 35, 40 miles an hour. Or, I saw a lot of rental Jeeps that were kind of abusing, speeding up, because they didn't care about the rental yeah. Jeep. Be head on a swivel, and I think, you know, just pull off where you can, and I always try and look as far ahead as I can. You're not in a rush, you know, take your time. But I think, I do think, I know you were hoping I would say downhill has right away because that's what we were thinking, but I did I did look into that. And um, one of those off-roading books I have, I can't remember what it is. Is it the same for hiking, though? Does that downhill hiker on the path have right away? No, uphill. Always. Huh. So huh. it would be the same. So, so you think it's the same as car? So you think... Uphill has right away on a car. Uphill has right away on, on the trail when you're hiking. I know for a fact on mountain biking, uphill has right away. Ah, and I, and I'm you know I know for a fact hiking too has right away coming up. I'm sixty forty on the cars. <laughs> I go to Vegas with those odds. If you do know, leave a comment or shoot us an email. What else should we tell the listeners about Snuffles? I would save it for my finisher. I would always make sure I have a ice axe. Avoid sloppy tuna. <laughs> and if you're comfortable with it, with, with your root-finding abilities, um, that southwest ridge is is f- way more preferable than the standard route, at least in my opinion. And it's not a bad one to, to lead a couple first-time class three people up because we did it two, two out of our group of four. It was their first class three. Granted, they're very accomplished hikers, have had, you know, over 20 summits each this was just their first class three very strong athletes but i think it's a great one to introduce people to class three honestly i would do that again in a heartbeat and the southwest ridge was you know i don't think anybody was in over their head either a lot of people are like oh there were people at the trailhead they were like oh should we do it should we not da, 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 da. like you know if you're confident in your roof finding abilities and the athleticism of everybody in your party go for the southwest ridge it's worth it yeah i'm jealous i didn't get to do the southwest ridge we'll have to go do it again Playing racing and then and the then whole loop. Ski it. Yeah, the whole loop, the whole ultra marathon loop. <laughs> so Tay Jack, you have the benefit of going first. If you had three 
words to describe your experience on Sneffels, what three words would it be? Slippery. <laughs> sloppy tuna. Insert, insert sloppy tuna here. No, slippery because that one section coming down, even though it was the class two past the notch, it was slippery. Going up or end down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So slippery. It doesn't have to be an alliteration, but I'm going with spiny. Okay, because you didn't. Because we did that Ridge. Southwest Ridge, which and was Southwest. so cool. <laughs> and beautiful. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but Snuffles was just truly... It was really beautiful. How about you, Jace or Jack? I think the first one that comes to mind, and I've used this word multiple times in this episode, is iconic. I think um, there's a reason it's on the cover of of Jerry Roach's book. It is an absolutely spectacular, iconic mountain. Um, I think one of the most aesthetic mountains in Colorado. The second is, like I've also mentioned, it's it's got good good value, good bang for your buck from a from an effort standpoint. <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> I just good. I feel like bang for your buck is like it's hyphenated. <laughs> bang for your buck, all hyphenated. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Iconic. Bang for your buck. Um, and then, golly, maybe bang for your buck can be split up into my life. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's that's good. Bang for Short is the second one, and your book. <laughs> I think I'd go with jagged. I think I would go with like chapters. There's mm-hmm. a class one chapter. There's a class two scramble, and then there's a couple cool class three moves if you need to at the very top of the, the standard cool. south route. Um, so jagged. What did I say? Chapters. <laughs> and yeah, that's a good um, one. Memorable. Yeah, that's a great one. You didn't like awesome. slippery, spiky, and <laughs> We'll call this episode Slippery Sloppy Tuna. <laughs> slippery Sloppy Tuna. Slippery Sloppy Sniffle. 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 Slippery Sloppy Sniffle. Sniffle. Awesome. Well, we hope we have uh, provided you some good information as well as a little bit of entertainment. We're a few glasses of wine deep on this one. Taylor just shot me a dirty look. Let me start over. <laughs> All right, we hope we've provided you with some valuable information as well as some entertainment on this episode. We, as you can tell, really, really enjoyed Sneffels. Um, it's one that we would all probably repeat again. And uh, get out there, enjoy it. Um, don't take too much of our advice to heart. Make your own decisions in the mountains and uh, have a good time. And we were discussing kind of what is our tagline or who is the audience of our, of our non-standard 14er podcast. My suggestion was it was kind of the people that had like six to maybe ten fourteeners under their belt and were kind of bitten by the bug and have heard of Sneffels, heard of Pyramid, kind of heard the lore of Capital, but don't really haven't done the research, haven't heard the stories. And so we were hoping to kind of entertain those people as well as kind of the people that have maybe done all the fourteeners or have a lot of experience that are enjoying the nostalgia and the discussion that we're having enjoying a glass of wine here uh, in Evergreen, Colorado, talking about some of the awesome things we get to do here on weekends. Let us know what you think of our Nadu jingle. Short rope out. (laughs) Tayjack out. Peace.